what is truly God's love and what is our own self-seeking love. And if we're really honest, in all of our hearts, in all of our relationships, we have the heart of Shechem. Where we really want to love somebody, but yet we really just want what we want from them. And that law of reciprocal affection that we talk about, that I will love you if you love me back. Reacting to being wronged with grace is totally illogical. It's not a normal reaction to want to bless those who do evil to us, but that's what a believer is called to do. As Pastor Daniel reads the account of Jacob's sons delivering vengeance on the man who violated their sister, we'll have to let go of our fleshly response in order to come to an understanding of what Jesus would do. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis 34 verse 1 with part one of his message entitled, The Dinah Incident. From the beginning to realize one of the main rebuttals to the very common uh, critique that the Bible, you know, like it's all myth, it was all made up. One of the most profound refutations of that critique of the Bible is when you realize that when you're writing a myth, you always make the main characters look really good. And Genesis chapter 34 is another one of those many examples where the men who become the pillars of the nation of Israel are absolutely horribly acting, completely ungodly. And if you're going to write a story, if you're going to write a tale, you don't make the people who end up being blessed in the end as horrible as what we're going to see today. And I think that's important to realize because the Bible tells us the truth about people. One of the things I love the most about our Lord Jesus is that Jesus said if it looked like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. And I love that about Jesus because Jesus doesn't play around. He calls it like it is. It's real. It's honest. And here today in chapter 34 we are going to see some horrible stuff. Really, this is the story of two rapes. The rape of Jacob's daughter, Dinah, by Shechem, and then the rape of the Shechemites by two of the sons of Jacob. It's the story of two rapes. Now, I always say this. I'll keep saying this. In the Bible, narrative is not normative. What that means is, just like if you watch the evening news, when the evening news reports something, it doesn't mean that it condones it. It's just telling you what happened. And so as we're reading this, so often people think, well, if the Bible says it, then obviously God must condone it. No, no, no. Just because it's a narrative, the happenings is not normative. What that means is that just because it's reporting what happened does not mean that God is placing his stamp of approval on what happened. He's just telling you what happened. 
And we need to say that because sometimes you read these things and people get all up in arms about it. It's like, no, they're just telling us what happened. And all through the book of Genesis, as we travel here at our midweek through the entire Bible, if the Lord tarries, and so do we, it's going to take us a while to get to the end. But as we travel through, we're going to see over and over again that God loves sinners who are all of us. Sinners make tons of mistakes who are all of us. And somehow, through it all, when we mess up, God still can do good things. And that's the Bible story from Genesis to Revelation. And so if you're here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I don't really know about me and this Jesus thing because I am just, you know, I am God's gift to train wrecks. You find in the Bible yourself in good company. Now, I was studying some in, in the book of Acts and you know, as a pastor, most of us pastors, we struggle with uh, talking too much, long sermons. You know, and then I was reading about the Apostle Paul as he preached all night and a guy got so tired, he fell asleep, fell out the window and died. <laughs> I thought to myself, I'm doing better than Paul. I, I haven't preached anybody into death yet, but I was encouraged just the same. I'm like, hey, I, I get this Paul guy. All right. So I'm going to preach all night. We'll see if someone dies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Everyone's like, hey, we know where the door is, Pastor Daniel. Come on. Genesis chapter 34, verse 1. It says this. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, saying, get me this young woman as a wife. We see here that Dinah, who is the daughter of Leah, who was Jacob's first wife, remember, we've seen this already, where he would, Jacob was tricked by Laban to marry the, his older daughter, Leah. The only girl that we get recorded in the children of Jacob is Dinah by Leah. So this girl, she goes out to look at the young women of the land. So she goes out to see, they're settling down. What is this land all about? Now, it's fascinating because so many commentators want to make an application as if Dinah did something wrong. And I think that's kind of unfortunate. I mean, you can make the case if you wanted to kind of just broadly apply it that, you know, the women who follow after God shouldn't be going and checking out what the daughters of the world are doing. That's not necessarily a bad application. It's actually maybe a good application. But the reality here is that Dinah was just going out and seeing where she was living. That's what she was doing. She, there was no moral mistake on her part by going on out. But notice what happens. As she goes on out, Shechem, who's the son of Hamor the Hittite, the prince of the land. So this is the son of the king of the land. Notice it says, he saw her, he took her, he lay with her and violated her. So the reality is, is what happens here is that he sees her and then he sleeps with her. And some of your translations translate this properly. He raped her. He took her by force. Okay? But notice, when you get to verse 3, it says this. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, 
the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. What you have here is you have a classic example of a divided man. The reality is, is it, his soul was a strongly attracted to her. He loved her, it says. But he didn't love her enough to honor her. And that is the universal problem with the way humans love apart from God. We have a divided love. I love them, but yet I don't love them enough to honor them the way God would have me. So there's a part of Shechem's heart he really, really cares for her. We're going to see the lengths he's going to go to be able to marry her in a little bit. But at the same time, although he loves her, he doesn't love her really enough to honor her, to, to look out for her. His love is self-serving on a certain level. And that is why our belief in Jesus is so important. That is why, as somebody who has read personally almost every spiritual text I can get my hands on, I realize that following Jesus is the only way to truly love people in the way that God intended it. Because through the finished work of Jesus, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, through our understanding of what the love of God looks like, which is Jesus laying down his life for those who have wronged him, that is the only way to truly love somebody. And that love that Shechem had, had he not been a divided man, although he was strongly attracted to her, and maybe he had temptations to have sexual relations with her outside of marriage, he would say, you know, I do want that, but I want God's best for this girl more than I want what I want. And we live in a culture, we live in a culture that there's a lot of love talk. Good old John Lennon, all you need is love. All you need is love, love is all you need. And you know what's amazing is, is that he's right, except he doesn't define that love. And the Bible will not let us be cavalier about what love is. Sure, there are different types of love. There are different qualities of love. Bible teachers have been talking so much about eros, that one love that means physical love. And there is, that is a type of love, physical love. And then there's phileo. Philadelphia comes from it, the city of brotherly love. So it means that, that kindred affection. And then there's that word agape, which speaks of a self-sacrificing love. And the reality is, is that this world has enough of not agape. Because yeah, John Lennon, all you need is love, but the Beatles couldn't stay together. You ever think about that? So yeah, all you need is love, but why didn't the Beatles stay together? Because there wasn't the self sacrificing love to be able to esteem others higher than ourselves you see we need to each ask the holy spirit to help us divide what is truly god's love and what is our own self-seeking love and if we're really honest in all of our hearts in all of our relationships we have the heart of shechem where we really want to love somebody but yet we really just want what we want from them and that law of reciprocal affection that we talk about, that I will love you if you love me back. I will bless you if you bless me back. But right as you stop loving me, no love for you, like the soup Nazi. You remember the soup Nazi in Seinfeld? No soup for you. If you don't have your order ready, boom, you can't get any soup. And a lot of us are that way with our love. Where it's all, it's, I love you, but it's really all about me. 
So it's really, I don't love you, I love me. And I love me by loving you. And right is, think about that for a second. I was going to fly right by that. How many of us really just love me as long as that other person gives us what we want? So we don't really love them, we love us. And they're just there as a vehicle for our own narcissism. And so Shechem, I believe that Shechem really loved Dinah, but he didn't love her enough to honor her. Because he didn't know what real love was. Now, of course, I have to make the application. You gals, you need to find men who will love you enough to honor you. And you guys, you need to ask God how to honor a woman. Because let's just be honest. We live in a culture where chivalry is so dead. True chivalry. Not just, I'll open up a door for you. Because most guys open up the door for a girl and then peek in after her. That's not chivalry. That's carnality. So men, we need to ask God, how do we honor your daughters in a way that brings you glory? And we have to acknowledge our selfishness. We have to acknowledge that sometimes my love is totally faulty. Sometimes my love is like Shechem. Yeah, maybe I won't go as far as he did, but my heart is still the same. It's treacherous. It's selfish. It's self-serving. Shechem is the divided man. His soul is strongly attracted. He loves her. He speaks kindly to her, but yet he doesn't honor her. Instead, he rapes her. So after all this happens, what does Shechem do? He goes to his dad in verse 4. Get me this young woman as a wife. Now, that is kind of an offensive thing to say in our culture. Some of you ladies are like, are you kidding me? Like, are you serious? But you have to remember, this was not written in 21st century America. This was written thousands of years ago in a completely different culture. And in that culture, as we're going to see, dads made deals amongst them for the marriage of a daughter to a son. There was dowries involved. All sorts of things are involved. So it was a different culture. You women, the fact that you get to choose your spouse, you should say thank you very much. There's a lot of places in the world. It's still not like that. I've told you before the story. When I did missionary work in India, and I was talking with one of the pastors there, a great brother and sister, and they had an arranged marriage. They got married when they were 13. And we all say, oh, that's horrible. But the thing is, is in India, there's like a 95% rate of marriages that stay together. Divorce is very uncommon. So we get to choose who we marry, and we have a 50% divorce rate. They have arranged marriages, and 95% of them fail. Now, I'm not saying we should go back to arranged marriages. But the reality is, is one of the things they said, I asked them, like, listen, forgive my naivety. I mean, I grew up in America. You know, how do you make it work? And they're like, well, we learned how to love each other. And I thought to myself, what a simple yet profoundly deep answer. Because we get to choose who we marry, but yet we struggle to learn how to love one another. We get to make a decision. I want this person to be my spouse, and yet we struggle to learn how to love them. So Shechem goes to his father and says, Dad, I want to marry her. I want to make her my wife. Can you work this out? So what happens? As we continue in verse 5, And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock. This is verse 5. 
in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. So over the course of time, we find that Jacob hears about this. You can imagine it was a small community. Dinah came home, no doubt. Things were said. We find that Jacob initially does not act at all. It says, and Jacob held his peace. Now, there's a lot of commentary on what we should think about Jacob's actions. We're going to find in a lot of ways that Jacob has not led his family well by choosing not to do anything. And this is an important application for all of us because when God has given you a place of oversight, of leadership, when there is a leadership void, something will fill it in. When you have a responsibility, if you do not honor that God-given responsibility, something will fill that in. And the reality is almost always whatever fills in that responsibility is not exactly what God wanted. So as parents, we have responsibility. As spouses, we have responsibilities. On our jobs, we have responsibilities. And as we talked about on Sunday, we need to be good stewards of the things that God has entrusted to us. Jacob doesn't do anything. And Jacob's inaction sets in course a set of events that are really Jacob's responsibility. Because he doesn't do anything. He sits back. His sons come in from the field and his sons are grieved and angry. They're, they even say, I mean, it's amazing. They say here, they say, this is a disgraceful thing in Israel. A thing which ought not to be done. See, they have, there's a righteous indignation to their response. And I pray that even though we live in a world where evil is so common, that we still, when we see something that is unjust, that is wrong, that we still respond to it. That we still are able to call evil, evil. Say, hey, that is disgraceful. We should not allow this. Now, does that mean we should, as we're going to see, oftentimes what begins as righteous indignation then becomes treachery, revenge, and sin. Does that make sense? It's very easy to take a righteous indignation, someone acknowledging that this is terrible what's happening, and then all of a sudden we take it, we make it selfish, and it becomes revenge. And sin. Jacob doesn't say anything. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, if, if I found out someone touched my daughter, I'd be, I'd be hot. I mean, I can't, I didn't want to think about it. I, I don't even want to go there. I'll blow a cork in front of y'all, you know. But Jacob's sons are angry. They're mad. So let's see what happens in verse 8 as we continue. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. And make marriages with us. And give your daughters to us. And take our daughters to yourselves. So you shall dwell with us. And the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it. And acquire possessions for yourselves in it. So now they come as they're beginning to negotiate now. And notice that the, the areas of negotiation are first... We want Dinah to marry Shechem because he loves her. Second, verse 9, let's intermarry. Let's make marriages. And of course, we all know that this is a problem, isn't it? 
The Bible says that we shouldn't be unequally yoked. You know, it's interesting. I was, the issue of intermarriage. Now, don't get me wrong. There are exceptions to the rule. But should we ever make our decisions based on the exceptions to the rule? That's just not logical, is it? It's not logical. If 99 times out of 100, if you put your hand in fire, you get burned. But one time out of 100, you put your hand in fire and the fire goes out and you're not burned. Should we say, oh, I won't get burned? That's just illogical. It really is. And now I realize that missionary dating and missionary marriages, when someone's a solid believer and they choose to marry a non-believer, there are exceptions to the rule, but we don't want to live our lives based on exceptions to the rule. Because I'll be honest, if I had a nickel for every time a godly gal married an ungodly guy and came back and cried to a pastor about it, there'd be a lot of nickels around. We need to make a good decision here. So for you single folks, not any available person will do. Not any available person will do. We want God's best. But the thing is, hey, we can marry your daughters, you can marry our daughters, and then in verse 10, dwell with us and let's make some money. That's really what he says. Dwell here, we're going to buy and sell, we're going to trade, we're all going to do well. So this is his, his approach. Now in verse 11, Shechem speaks up. Look at what he says. He says, then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift and I will give according to what you say to me. But give me the young woman as a wife. Now it's interesting because Shechem wants grace. That's, let me find favor in your sight. The idea is he wants grace. Now I need to say this. God's grace covers rape as well. Now, I say that knowing that for some of us, that's going to be, make us angry. And for other of us, we're going to say, can it really? And the reality of the Christian gospel is that when Jesus died on that cross, he took all of God's punishment for the sins that were committed. That is the gospel. And that is why for me and for thousands and millions of people throughout the centuries, we say, I believe in Jesus because no matter what a person has done, Jesus paid the price on our place. That's the gospel. And the gospel extends to anybody who comes asking for forgiveness in Jesus' name. Now, does that mean that a rapist should have free access to everybody? No. We need to be careful. But God's grace is available to any who call on the name of Jesus. And I pray that as followers of Jesus, that we always remember that. That no matter what someone has done, God's grace is available to them if they will own what they've done and ask God for forgiveness. There is no sin, there is no sin that is too great that God cannot forgive him, except, of course, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is not believing in Jesus. Jesus is As mature believers, we know that we can't love only when we're loved in return, because that's not God's love. As we heard today, Shechem loved Dinah, but not enough to honor her. 
His love was conditional. God asks for more from us. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. Pastor Daniel covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review? You can listen to today's message again by logging on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at JesusIsRealRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Jesus Is Real Radio is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will take us through what happens when Dinah's brothers act on their rage. Instead of seeking God for the right path, they will use religion for their purposes, but without faith. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Join us next time for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.